Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Floyd Baum with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies coming to you live once again from sunny Central Florida, right here from our offices of the, uh, of the Raven Ministries uh, Institute of Biblical Studies here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone here today. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries, you can actually go to our website, which is at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and get more information on the ministry of Raven Ministries International. Raven Ministries is actually an acronym for Restoring a Vision and Evangelizing Nations. And that's really what we're all about. We're about uh, taking and investing the Word of God in hearts and lives so that you can go out and touch hearts and lives with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I tell you what, the only tool that we have that can really change the world is, is the word that God has given to us, empowered through the Holy Spirit in our life. It's not through the efforts of man. It's not through our own reputations or notoriety. It's got to come down to the point where we have a complete dependence upon the word of God and the word of truth to change people's lives. He's chosen the foolishness of preaching the gospel to save that which is lost. And so when we talk about restoring a vision, what we're talking about is getting people back to the word of God, a reliance upon the spirit of God and the word of God to to speak through them unto the nations. So thank you so much for joining us as we're here speaking to the nations. uh, uh, Just greet all you guys that are joining us today. Good to have uh, our brother created for worship, our brother out of uh, uh, India. Good to have you, my friend, and, and folks from all over uh, the, the world that are with us tonight. Some brother Suresh, good to have you once again, my friend, there from India. And uh, good to have all you here today as well that are joining us. We're actually in class 169, 169th hour in our teaching on the uh, Word of God in the book of Romans. And uh, if you haven't been with us in the past and you want all of those classes, uh, in uh, MP3 format on a disc, you can email me at pray. Excuse me at Raven at BigGrace.com, Raven at BigGrace.com, and send me your snail mail address, and I'll be glad to send you those discs absolutely free of charge. Or if you need prayer, we, we're praying every morning from 5 a.m. until 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you have prayer needs, be sure to send those. You'll see the the, the pray at BigGrace.com right there on your screen. So if you want the disc uh, free of charge, send that to Raven at BigGrace.com. If you need prayer. Pray at BigGrace.com, and we want to put those discs in your hand, and we want to lift your prayer needs up before the Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, good to have everyone here today, and I'm believing God's got some, some good stuff for us. I'm going to tell you what, this 12th chapter is a, is a tremendous, tremendous uh, chapter in the book of Romans. It's one of those ones that you're looking forward to during those 165 previous hours of teaching. You're saying, let me hurry and get there. But I tell you what, all those things lay the groundwork and the framework wherein everything else is built upon. So, once again, good to have you here today, and I just pray God's blessing is going to be upon you. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning, just ask for His um, Him to speak to us and give us a directive on uh, on uh, what He wants us to hear and what He wants us to show us, that the Spirit of God would just really cultivate our heart and mind to be able to receive readily that engrafted word into our lives in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord God, because it is. Lord God, it's not just a day that you've made for us to rejoice in. Lord God, just for a declaration of something to say. But Lord God, surely, Lord God, most assuredly, this is a day, Lord God, that's been set apart, Lord God, throughout eternity, Lord God, for something special. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that this is not just some wasted day, Lord God. This is not just some mundane day. But Lord God, there are miracles waiting to take place, Lord God, here today. Father, there are opportunities that you have given us today 
today, Lord God, right here on the 10th of April, Lord God, in 2008, that we have never had before in our lives, Lord Jesus. And Father, we're asking you, Lord God, that we would, Father, redeem the time, Lord God, of this day, Lord God, because we know the days are evil. Lord God, this might surely be the, the last day. Lord God, we know that your return is imminent, Lord God. And Father, this might be it. Father, we want to live this day like this may be the day that the Lord Jesus, Lord God, is going to return. And Father, we want to be like those faithful servants, Lord God, who the master of the house Lord God, when you return, found them so doing. We want to be found faithful. We want to be found faithful when you return, Lord God, in seeking your face. We want to be found faithful, Lord God, in studying your word. We want to be found faithful, Lord God, in doing our due diligence, Lord God, to, to preach the gospel, Lord God, to those that are that are lost and dying, Lord God. Let us, Lord God, live today, Lord God, like it's that day, Lord God. Let us live today, Lord God, like we have a stopwatch on eternity in Jesus' name. Lord God, let us rise every single day, Lord God, having that, that same mentality, Lord God, and that same urgency in our heart. Lord God, don't let us wax cold, Lord God. Don't let us uh, uh, our, our, our first love grow cold, Lord God, that we might be indicted, Lord God, leave like the church at Ephesus was in, in, the, in the revelatory letter. Lord God, but let us, Lord God, hone, Lord God, hone the edge, Lord God, of our relationship with you. Lord God, through that due diligence of seeking your face, Lord God, and, and studying your word, Lord God, and, and, and hearing your voice and, and walking in obedience to those things, Lord God, that we're always driven, Lord God, to, to walk in the power and the obedience of what your word is speaking to us, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we have been given this day, Lord God. It's been entrusted unto our hands. And, Lord God, we know that this day many people will perish, Lord God. Uh, upwards of, of, of nearly 200,000 people today, on average, Lord God, will, will lose their life. And, Father, we want to do our part, Lord God, in touching as many lives today, Father, for the kingdom. That, th- that, 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 that all those that perish, Lord God, would not perish, Lord God, for eternity. But, Lord God, that you would give us a hand in, in reaching people, Lord God, for the cause of Christ Jesus. Lord God, let us, Lord God, be diligent about those things today. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord God, who have gathered, Lord God, from the nations, Lord God, to this to, to this hour, Lord God, of time. And Father, I pray for each and every one of them, Lord God. I pray that you would just stir up your vision inside of them. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that we are uniquely all called, Lord God, and gifted and empowered. And Father, I pray, and Lord God, for the complete manifestation, Lord God, Father, of those things that you have placed upon their heart unique to them, Lord Jesus. Father, I want to see them, Lord God, Father, walking in the fulfillment of that calling that you've placed upon their life, Lord God. I want to see them, Lord God, Father, See the fulfillment, Lord God, and see the the, the, the tangible manifestation. Father, those, those, those visions, dreams, Lord God, and directives that you have given unto them and entrusted into their hand. Father, I pray, Lord God. That you would facilitate, Father, by the Spirit of God, Father, that, that the, the, the directives that you have for them, Lord God, and they would begin to, to see those things happen even today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for an acceleration of the process. Lord God, uh, many, Lord God, have, have just said, Lord God, when's it going to happen? Lord God, when's it going to happen? And Father, maybe the, 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 the process has been slowed down, Lord God, maybe by their own fear and doubt and unbelief or just lack of, of, of commitment or diligence unto you. But Lord God, maybe it's been others, Lord God, that have held that back because of their fear, Lord God, of somebody else taking their position or whatever else. Father, I pray that all that junk would be cast down, Lord God. And Father, I want to see each and every one, Lord God, in your body. Father, see uh, maximize, Lord God, that which you have called them to in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to see them maximized, Lord God, in the gifts of healing. I want to see them maximized in, in the gifts of 
of faith and the working of miracles. I want to see them maximized, Lord God, in the in the, in the gifts of of, of of prophecy, Lord God, in in, in 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 the words of knowledge, Lord God. All those gifts, I want to see them maximized in all those things, Lord God, to, to realize the full potential that you've called them to, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that those that are within earshot of this this day, Lord God, that you begin to to bring, Lord God, that that maximizing heart, Lord God, into their heart and life, Lord Jesus, that they could begin to see those things that you've called them to. Father, those ones that have put off and put off and put off, Lord God, one day, one day. Father, I thank you that we're not a, we don't serve a one day God. We serve a this is the day God. And I pray, Lord God, that those through circumstances, through society, through wrong teaching, whatever it is, Lord God, are always looking one day and they never reach that one day, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would just bring an urgency in their heart, Lord God, for this moment. Lord God, that they would not want to leave anything on the table, so to speak, Lord God. But Father, they would deposit everything, Lord God, back into those harvest fields, into the kingdom, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Don't let them be, Lord God, like the unprofitable servant, Lord God, who took their talents and buried it in the ground, Lord God, waiting for one day, Lord Jesus. But let them be like that, that faithful servant who took and invested everything that you gave them, Lord God, back into the kingdom. That way when you return, Lord God, there is a return, Lord God, on your investment in our lives, Lord Jesus. Father, just stir up the body of Christ, Lord God. Stir them up in Jesus' name, Lord God. Father, I'm asking that you just raise up, Lord God, radical, Lord God, believers, Lord God, unapologetic Jesus freaks, Lord God, for the kingdom of heaven. That, Father, we know that the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And I pray that you would just begin to raise up forceful men and women, Lord Jesus. Father, they're forceful against the works of darkness, forceful against compromise, Lord God. Forceful against the demonic powers, Lord God, controlling, Lord God, this this world. Forceful, Lord God, in, in righteousness and in holiness, Lord God. Father, cause us to be forceful and in, 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 in deliberate, Lord God, in everything that we say and do in regard to your kingdom, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for this day that we can come to your word and we can receive instruction in righteousness, Lord God. We can, we can therefore, with joy, Lord God, draw waters from the wells of salvation, Lord God. We can come and we can get that blueprint, Lord God, that, that instructive manual, Lord God, on what we should say, how we should say it, what we should do, and where we should do it, Lord God. And Father, we want to walk, Lord God, in accordance with your word that will not pass away in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Give us the mind to receive it, Lord God, the heart, Lord God, to acknowledge it, Lord God, and to, to grow from the Word of God. And Father, I just ask, Lord God, for your ability, Lord God, God, this morning to just speak it, Lord God, to articulate it, Lord God, in a way that it would be received, Lord God, in a way that it would it would be reflective of your heart, Lord God, and your Word. Father, anything of myself, Lord God, I cast those things down. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that today that we would be devoid, Lord God, of, of any bondages, we'd be devoid of any sin, that right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that, Father, that the blood of Jesus would cleanse us, Lord God, as we come to you with hearts of repentance, asking you, Lord God, to, 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 to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord God. Father, we want a moment right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, where our mind, Lord God, is razor sharp to receive, Lord God, where our hearts, Lord God, have been perfected through the blood of Jesus, Lord God, to, to be recipients of your power, Lord God, and your mercy and thanksgiving, Lord God. Father, we want that moment in time, Lord God, to be able to, Father, to, to snatch, Lord God, from your spirit, those things that you're speaking to us, Lord God, right now, Father, by the Spirit of God. And Father, we thank you for this day. We ask you to touch those that have been sick in their bodies. We ask you, Lord God, to, to heal the afflicted, Lord God. We're asking you, Lord God, to raise up the paralytic, Lord God, open the blinded eye, Lord God, unstop the deaf and ears, Lord God. Father, those that are bound by sickness and disease, right now we take authority over those things in the name of Jesus, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Father, cause cancers, Lord God, and neurological disorders and blood diseases and respiratory problems and bone and muscular dif- uh, difficulties, Lord God. Uh, cause those things to come under... Lord God, obedience, Lord 
God, in, into the, the name of Jesus this day. Lord God, you know we've been seeking you. We've been praying every day, Lord God, praying for specific people for specific needs. And we're asking you, Lord God, Father, to begin to show yourself strong on our behalf, Lord God, as we diligently seek your face. Lord God, we thank you for this day. Bless it, Lord God. Use this, Lord God. Let us take what we receive, Lord God, and go and apply it to the harvest fields of this world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 and amen. Once again, good to have all you folks here today. Man, guys, God's doing some stuff, and I just want to be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what part it is. I just want to be a part of what God is, is doing in this hour because it's exciting times, you know. This, this is the terminal generation, you know. This is the time that I believe when he spoke there'd be some standing here that will not taste of death until they see the Son of Man returning with his angels in his glory. I want to be part of that generation that, 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 that hears that trump sound and every eye beholding him and change in a moment in a twinkling of the eye. Amen. Uh, you know, the dead in Christ are going to be, arise first. I don't want to be a part of that crew. You know, they do get to rise first. But I want to be a part of that one that says, And those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. I want to be right in the middle of preaching the gospel to somebody. And on the, think about this for a second, folks. I want to be out witnessing in the raunchiest place that, that, that this world has to offer. And I want, I want to be surrounded by, by all these, these unbelievers. I want in the midst of it say, Jesus could come back at any moment and whoosh, and just vanish right there from their sight. That's the way I want to go out. Amen. I, I want to be in the midst of, of my hand to the plow and him finding me so doing. I don't want to be hiding somewhere in some spiritual bunker or hiding behind my my uh, my uh, excuses. Man, well, I want to be right in the middle of what God has and him finding me so doing. And right to the last breath, to the last twinkling of an eye. Amen. Speaking the, the, the word of God. And folks, in order to do that, man, we got to be about that. We can't say, well, I'm just going to leave it to chance. Every once in a while, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, faithful. Man, I want to be right in the middle of what he's doing. And so, folks, Romans 12, 12 chapter, 12th chapter, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read those to you as we're going to uh, kind of parlay that and move that into the next few verses. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, folks, by the mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt every, uh, to, to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members of one body... Uh, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many members, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So, folks, how are we to act and appropriate the doctrines that have been given to us through the Spirit of God, uh, through the Word of God? we really got to ask yourself that. We can read all these, these doctrines. We can read all these truths. How many times have you heard me say in this format, and, and if you've been around me in person, did I say it's, it's more important, folks, to be righteous than it is to be right? And so we can take all the doctrinal truths of the Word of God, and certainly we can go and say things. Folks, let me ask you a question. You know, it's, it's one thing, to, to we talk about it all the time, to be, to, to, to be right. And you can do things that are right. You can do things and say things that, that if you just start measuring and say, yeah, that, that's correct or that's right. But folks, listen, the, the basics of the gospel is righteousness. Because we know that the wrath of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. And so, folks, we can be wrathful. We can do a lot of things. But what he's doing is he's bringing us to the place here in these first five verses of Scripture. He says, listen, I'm going to give you the way that you should conduct yourself in order to appropriate the doctrines that have been given us by the, the Spirit of God. Folks, you know, there's a lot of people that do a lot of things and say a lot of things in the name of God. And if you really kind of look at them, you know, ah, there's some truth in that. 
But at the end of it, it does not ever produce righteousness. And so what he's done in these first five verses, and, and I love it. I, I love it because I need this every once in a while. I need to be reminded, okay, God, I know what your word says. I know. But how does that, how do I appropriate those things? How do I, I, I need to, to measure those things out? How those things need to be actually applied to my life as I speak? Folks, listen, I want to be found faithful before the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be found as a faithful representative of him. I want to imitate him. I want to be a follower of him. And so when I look at that, I've got to say, okay, let's look at how Jesus did. I don't want to be one that's always straining gnats and swallowing camels, so to speak. I want to pick my battles. I want to, I want to be obedient to the things that God has called me to be and to be watchful and to be sensitive and to be patient and to allow endurance to, to come into my life. And so here's what he said. What should be the manner in which every born-again believer in Jesus Christ conducts himself? And he gives us, in these first five uh, verses, he gives us these 15 things. And number one, he says to present or to offer ourselves at God's disposal. And so at the, at, the, at the onset, what do I've got to do? I've got to present myself. I've got to say, God, okay, I'm coming into this thing, and the first thing that I'm telling you is whatever happens, I'm at your disposal. And so, God, whatever choice you make is the right choice. Whatever thing that you want to do, Lord God, is the right thing to do. However you want to, to appropriate these things, Lord God, so be it you appropriate those things. I, I trust you, Lord God. I'm going to be obedient unto you, Lord God. I'm going to listen to you, Lord God. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna know that what you say, what you do, Lord God, is the best way to say it, is the best way to do it, Lord God. That, that I'm not gonna put my opinion in there. That I'm gonna say, Lord God, regardless if I find myself liking it or not liking it, Lord God, I know that at the end of the day, that's the perfect way to have it, Lord Jesus. And so, I wanna present or to offer myself at God's disposal. And so if I offer myself at His disposal, then whatever happens after the fact, I don't have to sweat. I said, you know what, I'm in, God's in control. I don't have to say, well, that didn't work out the way I thought. Why? Because I'm not thinking of it working out a way anyway. I'm just saying, Lord God, regardless, if, uh, if, if, if it's good, if it's bad, if, I, if I'm a base, if I'm a bound, if, I'm, if, I, if I suffer lack, if I suffer gain, it doesn't really matter because my life is yours anyway. So if I'm appropriating, I'm walking out the, the, the things of God, the first thing I've got to do is I've got to present myself or to offer myself at his disposal. And the second thing I've got to do, I've got to do it sacrificially. Which, which means basically when it costs me something. And so, you know, what, what does it cost me? And I'm not talking about costing you in dollars and cents. I'm cost, cost, costing you in, in your attitude, costing you in your desires, costing you in your will, whatever it is. The other things, you know, if we talk about costing something that's material, man, that's easy stuff because that's always easily replaced. But what about when it costs us our dreams? It costs us our desire. It costs us those things that we want to see in the right now. And so if I'm going to do anything in regards to, to preaching the gospel and to walk in obedience, I've got to do it sacrificially. The third thing I've got to do, I've got to do it in holiness. Now, I said holiness, not haughtiness, okay? And there's a, there's a big difference there. They, they may sound alike, but they're totally different. And w- w- the reason why I want to bring that up is a lot of people, they, they want to substitute holiness for, for pride. And so pride, you know, they put this pride and it, it becomes this self-pride and this, this, this self-righteousness, this, this self-holiness type thing. Folks, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't reflect the character of God. And so I, I know that I've got to follow peace with all men and holiness. So the third thing I do is I do it in holiness, not with, not with pride, not with, not with arrogance, not with self-serving, not with a false humility. Mind you, I've got to do it with holiness that, that, that I'm set apart for his service, that, that everything that I do, I'm doing it as unto him. I don't want to do anything displeasing unto God. I'm doing it in righteousness. I'm like the priest that took great care when they, when they, they touched the, the, the things of God in the, in the temple and in the tabernacle. They took great care. And, and folks, the reason I say that is this. 
if I'm doing it in holiness and I'm taking great care of those things, when I'm dealing with God's people, I also want to take great care in those things. I'm not doing those things uh, with the wrong mind or the wrong spirit. I'm, I'm not doing those things to, to crush or to destroy. I'm doing those things in holiness. I'm taking great care on those things that he has called holy. And so when I'm dealing with the body of Christ, listen, I've got to do it with the spirit of holiness. The third thing I do, fourth thing, excuse me, is do it acceptable. That is, do it in a manner that's always going to be well-pleasing unto God. I don't want to do anything, say anything, act in a way that, that God shakes his head in, 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 disple- in, in a displeasing type of manner towards me. But I want to do everything. I'm, I'm going to be at the end of the day say, you know what? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is going to be pleased with the way I've conducted myself. That God is going to be pleased with my conversation. That God is going to be pleased with my attitude. That God's going to be complete, pleased with my motivation. Everything I do, I'm doing it to be well-pleased unto him. Fifthly, I want to do it as though it's my reasonable service. You hear me? I don't want to do it in a way that's above and beyond the, the call of duty. I don't want to say, well, because I went here or I did that, that I've got some type of Rambo Christianity. Folks, listen, anything I do, if it comes down to laying down my very life, none of that is above and beyond the call of duty, period. Every single bit of that, once Jesus hung upon that cross and poured out his sinless blood and rose again from the dead, and in his mercy he provided a way for me to be reconciled back unto God, anything, absolute anything, if I offered my body to be burned, if I, if, if I was uh, crucified myself upon a cross, if I lost everything if I had, if, my, if I found myself riddled with disease and walking in, in a debilitated situation, you know what? Anything that I do at that point is my reasonable service. Folks, listen, there's been such a gospel of, 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 of self that's been preached. And so what happens when any of those things happen, people begin to shake their, their fists at heaven. Well, God, what do you do? God doesn't owe me anything. And so when I'm doing it as though it's my reasonable service, that means I'm going in and I'm not saying, okay, God, I'm going to do this, like working a job. But God, you know what? There's got to be a benefits package at the end of this thing. There's got to be, I'm going to do this for you, but I'm going to believe, you know, I'm going to get that new house, or I'm going to get that new car, or I'm going to uh, walk in this possession. Folks, listen, when I do it, really what, everything he's done for me, he's already done on, on the cross of Calvary. He, he's already appropriated those things unto eternal life, into my life. And so anything that I want to do in regards to the doctrine, I'm doing it reasonable. Then, you know what, it, then I'm never put out. Do you hear what I'm saying? Then I don't have the right to complain and somebody say, well, you know what, I'm doing so much and nobody else is doing, well, it's just reasonable for me anyway. Or you know what? Man, nobody will help me. Well, so what? What you're doing is just reasonable. Well, nobody encourages me. Well, so what? You don't need to be encouraged. 2,000 years ago, you were encouraged when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see what I'm saying? And so I want to do everything as reasonable. Well, I don't have any help. I don't have enough resources. I don't have this. I don't have that. Get over it, folks, because we've got Christ and him crucified the power of God. And so when, rather than complain, you need to get busy. How many times have you heard me say this, folks, that, listen, ministry and leadership specifically, what, what that really means is that you're going to work harder and complain less than anybody else. And if you can't handle that, you need to go find you some utopia to crawl into because that's, that's, that's not Christianity. In this world, you're going to suffer persecution. Those that walk godly in Christ Jesus will endure persecution, that, that sorrow may endure. Endure for a night, that you're going to sow in tears. All those things are true. But if I look to myself and I say, listen, God, anything that I go through, whatever I have to endure is just strictly reasonable. And thank you, Lord God, for being a reasonable God. And so what happens? Then you get get over yourself. You hear what I'm saying? Then you you, you shut your mouth. You you quit your murmuring and your complaining. You say, God, thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to be walked on. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to be despised. Thank you for the opportunity to be hated, Lord God. 
Thank you for the opportunity to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't hear that talked about too much, folks. That's what it is, amen? It's talking about I'm identifying with Christ Jesus. It's all just reasonable service, not above and beyond, not Rambo Christianity. And so do it, sixthly, do it contrary to the world's pattern. You know, the world has a certain pattern. They, they've adopted that in, in the church. They've adopted that in all these, these mechanisms in their life. It's, I'm going to give to get. And you know what? You better appreciate me. And you know, I'll respect you if you respect me. Folks, don't do anything according to the world's pattern. It, it, so once we start pattering it after the world, we start looking like the world. We start acting like the world. And we bear the fruit of the world. But if we walk in the Spirit, I'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, why do you think the, 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 that there's so, been so much problems that have happened in the church. You find people, uh, yeah, you do find people compromising. You see the immorality that's coming into the church. You see the why? What 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 you see in the world? And so as I begin to to build a church, if 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 I'm that type of pastor and I build a church to win the world, what am I going to do? I'm going to bring the same mechanisms in. So what's the world after? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And so if I got a church that's built upon the foundations or the the pattern of the world, I should expect that pastor to to be running around on his wife. Why? Because that's what the world does. I, I should expect there to be division and, and schisms. Why? Because that's what the world has. Do you see what I'm saying, folks? If I, so if I'm building something and it's conformed to the pattern of the world, or if I'm trying to use the, the world's methodology, why do I have leaders that are abandoned? Why do I have people that are unfaithful? Why? Because that's the way the world does. And so if I'm building something upon the patterns of the world, I should expect those things. I should expect the news media to pop on and say, well, this great church that's built patterned itself after the business system of the world, the pastor fell again, or this person's a homosexual, or these were molested children. That's what the world does, folks. And so I shouldn't be surprised when the world's fruit comes out of the world's pattern. So do it contrary to the world's pattern. Number seven, do it with a mind transformed through repentance. Folks, don't think that repentance is your response to unrighteousness. It's not. Repentance is not a response to sin. Repentance is a response to righteousness. It is that metanoeo. It's that that moral compunction to think different. And if I want my mind transformed, what do I got? I got to be constantly thinking different than the way that I want to go. I got to say, God, I want to think like you think. I want to have the the mind of Christ, Lord God, so I can, can walk in the fulfillment of holiness and righteousness. So everything that you do, do it through a, a mind transformed through repentance, folks. Listen, uh, repentance didn't put the pedal to the metal, hurt and get to the altar. Lord God, I'm sorry. I feel so ashamed. Ooh, I'm glad repentance is over. Repentance will be your life's blood. Do you hear me? It will be your source. It is like it is. It is like a a, a what, do you, what do you call that when you go scuba diving? The the oxygen tank for a scuba diver. That's what it is, folks. If you're you're submerged within a a hostile environment in this world, and what repentance is is repentance is like that that thing. That, what's the thing you put on your mouth in scuba diving, Deb? Regulator. Repentance is your regulator. And so what repentance does, you've got this tank of uh, and, and two tanks on your back. One of them's the Word of God and one of them's the Spirit of God. And what the, what repentance is, it's the, the regulator in your mouth. And so if I'm walking with repentance, I've got it stuffed in my mouth and everything that comes in has always got to flow through my moral compunction to think differently. God, how am I going to process this? How am I going to take this into my life and into the body, Lord God? How am I going to do this? So when I breathe in, what am I breathing? I'm breathing through repentance. When I exhale, what am I doing? I'm exhaling through that same regulator. You see what I'm And so repentance regulates everything that I do. Do you hear what I'm saying? It regulates the amount of oxygen. It regulates the amount of righteousness. It regulates those things. So if I come to myself that that that's that that's the 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 holiness and righteousness comes into my life, everything is going to be regulated to those type of things. So uh, 
Let your mind be transformed through repentance. Number eight, do it under the scrutiny of God's righteous requirements. God, what do you require of me? What is it that you desire of me? Folks, it, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist. All I've got to look to this word. God, what do you want me to do? Well, let me pattern myself after Jesus. Let me take these, these four gospels and see what Jesus did. Let me read these epistles and see what God, how God wants me to pattern. Folks, listen, if I'm doing it and I'm doing it under the scrutiny of God's word, everything I'm doing, I'm measuring it. How does it measure up to what God said? Not how does it measure up to the pat on the back or that attaboy that I got at this place or the, the, the paper that I have upon my wall. But Lord God, what is it that, that I'm, I'm, I'm measuring those things under the scrutiny, scrutiny of God's requirements uh, for righteousness? Number nine, he said, do it with excellence. Folks, if you're going to do it, do it right. You hear what I'm saying? Do it completely. Don't, don't pity patch your way through it and think, you know what, God, he's going to be satisfied with this. I'm just going to throw God a bone, everyone. Whatever you do, do it with excellence. Do it uh, when it costs you. Do it at the end of the day that, that you're going to be able to say, God, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this and I know it's going to be well-pleasing to you. I remember years ago when we opened up our Jesus Cafe there in Texas and uh, the Lord spoke to Melanie and I and he said, I want you to start feeding the hungry. And we said to ourselves, Lord God, we're already feeding the hungry. Well, we, you know, have these lunch sacks that we'd give them with their Viani sausages and their, their little juice box or whatever else. And he said, no, I want you to, I want you to do it with excellence as though I'm coming to dinner. Now it changed, that changed everything. Now I couldn't go to the food bank and, and, and serve them some noodles with a little bit of red sauce. I, I couldn't do that anymore. Why? Because if I was going to do it with excellence as though Jesus was coming to dinner, I had to do my very best. Why? Because whatever we do unto the least of these, we've done it unto him. And so we pulled out the tablecloths. We got the centerpieces. We, 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 we served upon them just like Jesus was there. Sir, what would you like? Sir, would you like a refill? Would you like some salad dressing for your salad? Sir, can I get you something else? Now, we were doing that with homeless people that may have slept under a bridge, but we were treating them like Jesus was coming into our five-star restaurant. And what happened? It changed the environment. Because we were walking in excellence, it brought an excellence to them. And whereas a few of them might trickle into our service afterwards, now we were seeing 100 or 200 homeless people come to the service. Why? Because we'd done it with excellence. And we'd done it as unto the Lord. And it brought that, 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 that type of attitude to them that they came and they wanted to be a part of that. So do it with excellence. Number 10, do it in full agreement with the Spirit of God. Folks, listen, whatever you do, you've got to line it up with what the Spirit of God is speaking. You've got to do it in, in, in the, the, the Spirit that's inside of you. You've got to let the Spirit of God guide you. You can't, you can't be guided. Pardon? You can't, be, you can't allow yourself to be guided by the flesh. You can't allow yourself to be guided by circumstance. You can't be, allow yourself to be guided by, by things that, that you would do in the natural. You've got to let the Spirit of God guide you in, in a way that, that you're having to remain sensitive to Him. So that was number 10. Number 11, do it God's way. Don't do it your way. Don't do it according to your plan. But do it God's way of doing things. And once again, He tells us how to do it through His Word. Uh, number 12, do it in the grace that has been given to you. Okay? Do it in the grace that has been given to to you. In other words, do it within that, the confines of, the, of, the, the, of what God has placed upon you. Here's what happens a lot of times in churches and in ministries and things like that. Anyway, folks, uh, you've got to do it God's way. and You've got to do it, number 11, like I said, do it in the grace that's been given unto you. Do it based upon the influence that God has upon your heart. Don't do it based upon someone else. Here, here I sat in a meeting one time and, and uh, some people said, well, Hey, listen, I've I got this vision for something. They named a certain ministry to do. And I said, so how are you going to do that? Well, they were like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. I just have a vision for it. 
Well, if you don't, if you're not going to do it within the grace God's given to you, why do you want somebody else to do it? And that's what's going to happen many times. People have a vision for something, but they're not willing to go do the work for it. So, folks, listen, we've got to come to that place where we're willing to do it according to the grace that's been measured unto us. And so if, if, if you said, you know what, there really needs to be a ministry to kids, well, do ministry to kids. If you say there needs to be ministry to old people, do ministry to old people. If you say, God, there needs to be ministry to the, law, the, to the homeless, then be willing to do it. Do it to the grace that God has given unto you. Number 13, do as much as you can with as much as you have. Okay? Don't try to do more than you can with more than you have. What you need to do is you need to take what God has put in your hand and you need to apply it. And once you're faithful over that, what's going to happen? God's going to put more in your hand. And so what happens is people try to do, to try to go overboard. I need to take what God has given me. If, if God has given me $20 to feed the homeless, I'm going to go feed the, the homeless $20 worth of food. If God gives me $1,000, i am going to go feed $1,000 worth of food to the homeless. You see what I'm saying? So take what God has given you and do as much as you have. If God has given me, based upon my, my work or whatever, my, my requirements like that, he's given me five hours a week to, to put into his kingdom. What do I need to do? I need to use that. I don't need to put 20 hours. I need to take those five and do my very best within those five hours that God has given me and apply those things unto his kingdom. And uh, so do as much as I can with as much as I have. Number 14, do it with self-control. Folks, that's probably the toughest thing. It's, it's God, how do I get into self-control? How can I walk in those things? Folks, listen, the, probably the toughest thing that I see people that are in the body of Christ and in uh, ministry is walking in self-control. You have got to learn to walk in self-control. And what does that mean? That means that I'm bringing myself under the control of the Holy Spirit. Because how often do you hear something, you're called upon, God's telling you to do something, whatever else, you find yourself in a situation where self wants to rise up. Self wants to rear its ugly head. Self wants to, to inject its opinion. Self wants to call somebody out. Self wants to do this. Folks, listen, we've got to walk in self-control. We've got to, 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 to submit ourselves unto the control of the Spirit of God in our hearts and lives. And the 15th thing is this. Once again, do it to the building up and the edifying of the body of Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do it under the building up and to the edifying of the body of Christ. And so ask yourself, okay, is what I'm doing, is it building up, is it edifying the body of Christ? How can I apply this? How is God allowing me to do all these things? Are they building up? Are they, are they, are they edifying? Are they establishing? Are they doing something positive in the body of Christ? And so, folks, if those 15 directives that are given to us in this first five verses of Romans chapter 12, if, they will, if we'll allow those things to kind of govern the way that we conduct ourselves as members of the body of Christ, then the directives that are going to be given to us in the next 16 verses will be really easy to understand. They'll be easy to appropriate because what's going to happen is we will have built and established the proper foundation on which everything else will be built. And folks, you've heard me teach this in time and time again. And it's if you begin with the wrong foundational premise, then everything that is built upon it will be subject to fall. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you build upon the wrong foundational premise, then everything else that you build upon it is subject to fall. Regardless of how good it looks, regardless of how noble, regardless if it seems somewhat doctrinally sound, whatever it appears, if you build it upon the wrong premise or the wrong foundation, it will be subject to fall. Some of those things may not fall as soon as others. But by guarantee, the found, if the foundation is cracked, eventually everything will tumble down. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, upon this rock, 
I will build my church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my body upon these prevailing foundational principles. What are those principles? Well, all we've got to do is look to those 15 that he gave us right here in Romans chapter 1 through 5. And so if I want to know what the prevailing foundational principles are that he's building upon, it's those things. It's to offer myself at his disposal. It's to, to do things sacrificially in holiness, acceptable unto God, as, as though it's my reasonable service, contrary to the world's pattern, mindfully transformed through repentance, under the scrutiny of God's uh, requirements, in excellence, in agreement with the Spirit, Doing it God's way, with the grace that's been given to me, uh, as much as I can, with as much as I have, with self-control and the building up and the edifying of the body of Christ. If I build upon that, what's going to happen? I'm going to be the one prevailing. I'm going to live a, a, I'm going to have a prevailing prayer life. I'm going to have a prevailing, uh, uh, study the word life. I'm going to have a prevailing attitude towards people. I'm going to have a prevailing witness to the lost. Everything that I do, I'm going to prevail in it. Why? Because I've built it upon the foundational principles on the word of God and everything becomes measured and meted out in accordance with those directives that God has put upon me. And what does it do? It makes everything easier. Then you're able to flow within the confines of the Spirit of God, and you're not always running up against the crooked places in a, in a, in a malformed uh, foundation. So, folks, now we're, now we're right here in, in verse uh, 6 of Romans chapter 12, and here's what he goes on to say. He says, uh, so many be in one body, have many members, one to another, in verse 5. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to that proportion of faith. So when he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, basically what it's speaking of is uh, of different gifts or offices that have been stowed upon the body of Christ. And here he uses the example of prophecy, and he's going to use other examples just to kind of make his point that's saying, really, whatever God calls you to, whatever he enables you in, he said you need to do that in, in proportion to faith. So once again, folks, what he's doing is reinforcing here that all the gifts and all the offices that come are given in accordance with God's grace. Okay? That is that he is, uh, that, 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 that God's influence upon your heart, that divine influence upon your heart that's going to cause the reflection in your life. And so that, that, that he has called and commissioned us to do those things. He's established us through that, 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 that work of grace. And so if you say to yourself, well, I know why God's doing this is because, you know, I paid the price. I know why God's given me this office because I'm neater than everybody else. I know why God's doing this because you know what, I'm anointed or I went to the right seminary or, or whatever else. Folks, it has nothing to do with that. God is measuring those things out by the agency of grace, by His divine influence upon our heart and its reflection in our life. And so if I'm going to walk in those things, if it's going to be divinely given, I've got to realize that it came from a divine source. And so if it comes from a divine source, that means the divinity or the divine has the right to utilize it any way that He wants to. And so if it comes from a divine source, I can't look at your life and say, God, well, well, why'd you do that for them? Why? Because that's what God wanted to do. Or I can't look at you and say, well, God, you're blessing them more. Or, you know, they're more anointed. They sing better than I do or whatever else. I say, God, you know what? Every one of those things is given by, by grace according to the proportion of faith. And so, God, I want to take what you've given me, not what you've given somebody else. And I want to utilize what you've given me. Folks, so many times, here's what we do. We want to measure other people and, and speak to people from our position of strength into their position of weakness. That's what we want to do. We want to, we want to talk down like this to people. Rather than what Jesus did, he became God with us. And what did he do? He came to us eyeball to eyeball. He came to us spit to spit, so to speak, right there face to face. So what? That he could look into our hearts and lives. That way when he's lifted up, that he can draw men 
to him. And so, folks, listen, what he's, he's telling us is, listen, all those offices that he's given us is, is for, uh, for, for, is, is given by the divine influence upon God, upon our heart. And he's called us to those things. And so we don't need to look at what other people have or what other people have been gifted in. But what we need to do is begin to look at the grace that God has placed upon us. You know what's interesting about that when I was pastoring in Texas right there in the ghetto? That type of thing happened in real life. You know, people were always coming in demon-possessed, and we'd have to deal with those things. So I really kind of feel at home when those things are happening. You just kind of want to get a hold of them, get the oil out, and get God to do something in their life. You know, you wish that the church would be that aggressive sometimes. Isn't it amazing that the, the passivity that's come into the body of Christ and the aggressiveness that's in the world? What did I say to open it up? We pray. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. We need to be the ones that are walking in uh, power and majesty of the king of kings. And so, folks, listen. When he's talking about that all these things, whether it's uh, he's given us gifts differing according to the grace that he's given to us, whether prophecy let's prophesy according to our portion of faith. He's saying that all those things have been given us through that divine influence. And so when we look at those things, we've got to understand what the source are. Psalm 75, verses 5 through 7. He said, do not lift up your horn on high and do not speak with a stiff neck. In other words, don't think it's about you. Don't, you know, we use this term here in North America. Don't begin to toot your own horn. You see what I'm saying? Don't, don't, yeah, it's, it's all about me. Don't say that. He said, for promotion comes not from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. It's him that puts down one and sets up another. So, folks, listen. God knows what he's doing, even when we may not be able to see it or even agree with it. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so in, in, in regards to this, we need to be careful to always allow God's measurement to be utilized when, when we see him raising up and putting down individuals in service to him. So here's what happens so many times. God will raise somebody up. God will begin to use something. And what will happen is we'll begin to look at them and we'll say, well, God, why, why are you using them? Why, why aren't you using me to do that? God, how, how did they deserve to do that? They haven't paid the price. Lord God, where did they come from? All of a sudden, they just show up and they're it. Folks, what are we doing? God is putting one down and raising up another. Raising up another, putting down, putting down the, the, the first. Folks, we've got to trust God's measurement. And so what happens is we're so short-sighted many times, and we do not measure things in accordance to God's purpose, but rather through man's performance. Let me say that again. We don't measure things according to God's purpose, but rather through man's performance. They're not performing as good as I'm performing, but what about the purpose of God? Maybe God put them, and his purpose is to put them in a position to bring conviction upon you for your haughtiness, for your pride. Think about that. Maybe them being in that place over you or or whatever it is, is to expose uh, deficiencies in your character that will drag you screaming and and kicking into hell one day. Maybe God is raising up uh, leaders above you. Maybe God's putting people in your your path to, to... Force you to get to your knees. To force you into the Word. Think about that. Say, God, what is the, the purpose, Lord God, that you're bringing? What is the measurement that you're doing? Not for them, but for me. God, what are you trying to create in me, Lord God? How are you trying to challenge me? How are you trying to get me more Christ-like? And you can look at the example that Christ came. What did he say? He didn't come to, 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 to be served. How did he come? To serve. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, you that are called to ministry, are you called to ministry to, to, to serve or to be served? Because if you come to be served, you'll never care about a title. You'll never care about a position. You'll never care about a salary. You'll never care about benefits. You'll never care about somebody else's respect. You'll never care about those things. Now, 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 
Who's got any toes left this morning? You know, folks, listen, what does this do? It, it stomps on every single one of our toes because we think that one day if I serve and I do all these things, that one day I will have arrived and, and people are going to hold the, uh, the palm leaves over my head and they're going to say, blessed be the name, he that comes in the name of the Lord. Folks, listen, I tell you what, if we're really doing what God said in this and according to the grace that's given to us, what are we going to do? We're going to esteem our brother above ourselves. We're going to we're going to exalt the one that's of, of lowest esteem. We're going to offer them the best better seat every time we're not going to see i'm going to do it to them now that way somebody's going to recognize my my utter humility and bless me later folks listen that's got to be our lifestyle that's got to be our expectancy that's got to be our reasonable service now think about this first samuel chapter 16 verses 6 through 7 16 through 7 the sad news folks is that that they don't preach this in, in seminaries, they don't preach this in Bible college. Been there, done that. They don't tell you that. They're, they're always telling you how to get a job or how to get a vocation or how to arrive at that place. They're never tell, teach. They don't teach you in most cases how to decrease so that Christ can increase. Do you hear me? They don't teach you that. But the Word of God, that's what it, te- it tells us ta- how, to, how to, to lay our lives down. How many times have you heard me say this? You know, people are going around telling you, hey, did you know that God has a wonderful plan for your life? No, God's got a wonderful plan for your death. God wants you to die that he might be the life that's in you. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live according to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But think about 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 7. It says, And it came to pass when they were come in, speaking of Samuel the prophet, what it was, we set this up, Saul had been rejected because of his haughtiness, because he thought he was all that. He thought he had something to do with God choosing him. And so it says when he came in that he looked at uh, uh, Eliab and he said, surely the Lord is uh, anointed is before me. And so he looked at, uh, at Eliab on the outside and he said, man, this guy has got all the right stuff. This guy is needing to be promoted. Surely this is going to be the next king. And he says, why? Because he's before. Me. He said he looked. He didn't pray. He didn't ask the Lord. He just looked at the situation and he began to measure it according to the flesh. He measured it according to not God's purpose, but according to man's performance. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance nor on his height of stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Folks, you know what? The reason that God looks upon the heart in these situations is because grace is the divine influence upon the heart, not the divine influence upon the head. Do I need to say that again? And so when he calls us by grace, according to Romans 12, 6, different according to the grace that is given to you, it's the divine influence upon the heart of a person, not upon the head of an individual. And so it says when God doesn't look at the countenance or the outward appearance, that God looks at the heart. And so, folks, listen, when the word tells us that the spirit goes about looking for those that he can show himself strong on behalf of whose Hearts are perfect towards him. Not who's got the right look, who's got the right credentials, who can speak with the, the right words, or the right vernacular. That's not what God's looking for. Will God use that? Yeah. But you know what God prefers? God prefers to use those things that are base, to confound those things that are mighty, those things that are weak. God likes to use. That way at the end of the day, you know who gets credit for it? Jesus gets credit for it. Not your favorite seminary, not your Bible college, not your church, not your ministry, not whatever it is. At the end of the day, that when the day declares that they're going to say, most assuredly, God has been into this place. That's what the Pharisees marveled at the disciples of old. It says they marked them. Why? Not because of the, 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 the things that they did or the way they looked. It says because of what they spoke, they knew that they had been 
with Jesus. Don't you want the markings of your ministry, of your life, of your testimony, not to be what's upon your head, but upon your heart? That that man, that person's heart is perfect towards him. Because if my heart's right, then my head's going to be right. But if my head seems to be right, it doesn't necessarily mean that my heart's going to be right. Back to not only walking what's doing what's right up here, but doing what's righteous in our heart and allow everything to be birthed out of that. And so, folks, before you look at someone and say to yourself, why would God use them instead of me? I'm more qualified uh, and I would be more reliable. I would be more effective. You may want to take a step back and examine your heart before you make an assessment concerning the choices that God makes. And so, folks, this is such a common and dangerous trap that's really. But if you think about it, it's so easily avoided if we'll just make the habit of walking in those first 15 directives that he gives us in Romans chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And if I walk in them, what can I do? I can avoid the pitfalls of that, that snare of, of, of trying to say, God, why'd you do this? And not walking in the attitude of a reasonable service unto him. And so whether it be prophecy, let it, uh, uh, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith, he goes on to say. And what this really does, it just ref- he's just given an example of some of the gifts. But when he's talking about let us prophesy, let it be according to the proportion of faith, he's speaking of a gift that's given unto the church to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And why do I say that? It's because 1 Corinthians 14.3 says that. He says, for he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Folks, edification, what it is, it means to build up something. And, and so if I'm, if I'm, I'm speaking a word of prophecy, it's, its design is to build up. Folks, you know what? Even the harshest words in the scripture weren't given to destroy. They were given to build up. So, folks, sometimes before I go in, if I'm going to build a building on a piece of property, sometimes there's things that there's a building that has to be raised first. R-A-I-Z-E-D. There's got to be something that's got to be tore down. I've got to, I've got to remove those things. And so edification, if I'm going to build something up, what am I doing? I'm, I'm preparing the ground for the foundation to be. And so if I'm edifying and saying, listen, I want to build you up on the right structure. That may be mean calling out sin. That may be, be being, being very direct in things. But with the goal of not to destroy but to build up. And really, you've got to watch your, your heart in that type of thing. Because it's easy sometimes when you, when you see things that are wrong for, to have the wrong attitude towards it. You know, I, I think, I, I know I've been guilty of it. But it's to be watchful of those things. And God, so how am I going to do, am I doing this? Am I, am I laying the wrecking ball down here just to wipe it out and to prove my point? Or am I laying the wrecking ball to it, Lord God, that you might build up something holy and righteous in the place that that one thing stood? And so the he that prophesied, let him prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Edification, exhortation. Exhortation means to summon something or to call up something. That's what Paul the Apostle did in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 when he said, you know, stir up the gifts that are within you. Where? Within you by the laying on of hands. He was summoning those things up. He said, you know what? I know that there's something inside of you that God has placed because of the new birth. And when I begin to prophesy, it's under exhortation. Listen, here's what God has spoken unto you. Here's that word that you got in the night watches. Before you got so full of yourself, here's what God said. And God's going to deal with you according to what he has spoken to his directive. God is not a man that he should lie. You need to begin to call up righteousness and call up holiness and call up faithfulness and call up mercy and call up love. I want to summons those things into some means it's to call that place, call something up to a place of action. And so if I'm sitting upon, if I'm a place in authority and I summon someone unto me, what am I doing? I'm calling them there to speak a directive. And so if I'm summoning, if I'm, if I'm prophesying, I want to prophesy to my proportion of faith. I want to prophesy according to my pisties, according to my moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. And folks, if, I, if, I'm, getting, if I'm summoning things up, what's it going to be built upon? According to my portion of faith. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so without it, it's impossible to please him. I have to believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so if I want my proportion of faith to be there, then I can summons those things up. What does it force me to do? I've got to get into the word. I've got to study to show myself approved unto God. And then finally, he said, and, and, and for prophecy, comfort. It means to, to, to make an address made to persuade or to calm. And so when I'm given a, a word of comfort, what am I doing? I'm persuading them, listen, that there's an answer, that there's hope. You know what? I can, I can read the first few chapters of, of the first, I can read the first 16 or 17, actually 19 chapters of the book of Revelation, and I can say to myself, man, there's some harsh things that are going on here with, within the parameters of this. But I can turn to the 22nd chapter and say, man, there's some comfort in this. So folks, listen, if we're operating in those parameters that God has established, Listen, yeah, it may start off harsh, but at the end, what is it? There's a calm that comes. Yeah, you may go through the storm, but there's an answer on the other side. You, you may have to be in a difficult situation, but there's victory through it. And so First Peter chapter, uh, Second Peter, excuse me, chapter uh, 1, verses nine, uh, verse 19 through, actually through chapter 2, verse 9. I'm going to read Second Peter 1, 19 through Second Peter 2, 9. And it says, We have also received a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you shall do well that you take heed, as into the light that shines in a dark place, until the, the day dawn and the day star arises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of old. They spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Then verse uh, uh, 1 of chapter 2. But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. You hear me? He's giving us the warning. Who privilege shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them. And they will bring upon themselves swift destruction. And they'll, they'll do what? They'll bring upon themselves swift destruction. And, and so, and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they be with feigned words make merchandise of you. Do we not see that, folks? Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation does not slumber. For if God spared not the angels that sin, but has cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, and brings in the flood from the world of the, uh, upon the world of the ungodly, and turns the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with a with an overflow, making them example unto those things which should live ungodly, and delivered just lot and vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for the righteous men dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from the day with their awful deeds. The Lord knows how to deliver the body out of temptations and reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Folks, listen, he will give us these gifts as he gives us prophecy here as an example and expects us to operate within those parameters on that level of grace. And so what you see is he's going to give us that. And you look at what he said in, in that. Yeah, there's sin. Those things are going to enter, enter in. But what's the end result? Man, he's going to be able to deliver the godly out of our temptations. He's going to bring comfort to us, and he's going to persuade us and bring us to a place of calm. And so what, what this allows, it allows the proving to play, take place so that the increase can take place in the body. Folks, don't you know if we're faithful over little things? They'll make a rulers over big things. But you first got to be faithful over the little things. Do all these things, he said, in proportion to what has been measured to us and be careful not to overstep those boundaries. Folks, listen, every single one of us in one capacity or the other have a calling upon our lives. And so when people are talking to somebody, they say, oh, man, I was talking to somebody. Man, they got a call on their life. You know, that sounds good and that's that's correct. 
But everybody does. We've all been called as ministers of reconciliation. And so when we go and tell somebody, listen, I've I got news for you. You've you got a call on your life. Yeah, and every single individual that calls upon the name of the Lord has a call upon their life. They, they've got a call to greatness. They've got a call to holiness. They've got a call to righteousness. They've got a call to preach the gospel. They've got a call to cast out devils and lay hands. Every single one of us have that call. We've all been given a, a holy calling. Many are called, but few are chosen. And so, folks, listen, what we've got to learn to do is operate within the parameters of that portion that God has given to us and be careful not to overstep our boundaries. Because you may say to yourself, well, I saw somebody else doing this or that or somebody else walking in that. Folks, don't make the mistake of saying just because they're doing it that you can do it as well. Let me give you an example of that. First Samuel chapter 24. First Samuel 24, 4 through 7. Here we are, uh, David fleeing literally from Saul. Saul wanted to kill David. And, and they found themselves in this cave, and, and Saul's asleep, and David is hiding in the cave and spots him. And says, the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke when he said unto you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with, uh, with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. So his men were encouraging, David, this is it, man. You know what you said, that God's going to deliver your enemy into your hands? Now what you need to do is you need to pounce upon that situation. And what did David do? David found himself... You know, listening to the mob, listening to the, the masses. And so he, he, he crept up unnoticed and he cut off the, the corner of Saul's robe. But afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off the corner of the robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do any such thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift up my hand against him, for he's the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And he left the cave and went his way. Now, folks, before you start saying that this is don't touch my anointed, that's not all he said. He said, listen. God was going to deal with Saul in this situation. God had already gave me the promise, and I don't need to take it into my own hands to try to, to remedy what God's going, to, God's going to do with it. And if I step in and I do it before it's time, that, that's not my place to do it. Saul, one day, is, he's going to fall by the sword because he lived by it. He's going to, he's going to fall uh, just as, as he is sown into that. But what David said, listen, man, if I did that, just even, even doing it, I overstepped my bounds. Folks, I want to say this to you. There are some offices that God brings... To bring correction. Just like in the family. There are. There are certain offices within the church that God utilizes to bring that corrective element to his body. And there's some that, that aren't. And it's like in my family, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm the dad. I, I remember I had a, a friend that used to come over when I was pastoring in Texas. And, you know, my kids would be doing something. And, and he would try to correct them. And I remember one day turning to him and I called him by name and I said, listen, my children have one father and you're not it. And he knew exactly what I was saying at that point. Listen, I'm going to bring correction to them. Why? Because I'm the one with them all the time. I'm the one that God has put in that position, that office, to bring correction into their life. Folks, there's some offices, you know, you talk about an apostolic office. An apostolic office is given literally to bring corrective uh, measures to false doctrine. You know, it really is. And you see that also in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the teaching office. It's to bring that teaching and, and correction to false doctrine. Maybe, maybe the office of evangelist doesn't do that. He's to bring correction into the, into the, to the areas of, of, of soul winning and things like that. But there's, there's elements within the body of Christ, just like in a family, particular offices that we need to operate. That's why he's saying, you know what? 
Operate within the proportion of the faith that's been measured unto you. Do those things. Don't say, well, somebody else did it. I'm going to do it. Well, I don't know if that's been my measurement of faith. If you've been given, if you hear somebody prophesying, don't say, well, listen, I'm going to go ahead and open my mouth and say, behold, this saith the Lord. Maybe that's not the proportion of faith that God has, has given to you at that moment. So what do you need to do? You need to operate where you're at in faithfulness and seek earnestly the best gifts. God, call me that. Give me that anointing. Give me that, 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 that gift in my life. Let me pay the price for that, Lord God, and you're going to measure and meet out as you will. Big, big problem there when people want to overstep those boundaries uh, uh, and overstep the parameters that God has called them to. And it's, and it's really tough on that stuff. So Romans 12, 7, it says, or of ministry. Here he is talking about more things. Let us wait on our ministry and he that teach teaching. Ministry basically means a servant. If you've been serving, that word, let us wait really should be, it should be translated the same way that previous one. Let us minister according to our measure of faith. Let, Lord God, let me serve according to the measurement that you've given to me. Not let, let me serve according to somebody else's measurement or let them serve according to my measurement. It's the same thing. Folks, listen, I know what God's told me to do, and I know that I don't have a choice. And so if I work my fingers to the bone, if I survive on three hours sleep a day, big deal. That don't mean that I'm going to say, well, you got to do it. Why? Because I know the measurement of my faith. I know the responsibility that God has placed upon me. And so for me, that's just reasonable service. And so I'm not going to say, well, I'm doing it, so you got to do it. No, what am I going to do? I'm going to set the standard that God has called me to set. Now, hopefully, in doing so, it, it can draw other people up to that, that standard, whatever it may be. Or maybe somebody else is doing another standard. Hopefully, they'll draw me to that standard in, in an area that maybe I have a deficiency. And so what I need to do, I need to let all those things be done according to my measure of faith. In Romans 12, 8, he that exhorteth or, uh, on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity. He that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Folks, when he says he that exhorts, and again, he's just given several different things in regards to the same thing. Exhort means that he that preaches in any capacity. If I'm, if I'm exhorting, I'm preaching, whether I'm behind a pulpit, behind a desk, on a street corner, wherever else, I need to do those things in accordance with, with the measure of faith. And, and here's something else. I'm going to close with this. He that gives, uh, uh, let, him do it with, uh, uh, let him do it with simplicity. Folks, listen. To, to give, that means one who gives away of their earthly possessions. And, and folks, listen, that is a gift. There are people that God will put things in their hand because he knows they're going to let go of them. If you're wondering why God hadn't put things in your hand, chances are he knows that you're going to hold on to those things. And so what God does, he'll put things in people's hands because he has gifted them to release those things into the kingdom. I've seen it so many times in my life where, man, God has just put something in my path that maybe there's a need for the ministry or whatever. And brother, just step up and you're thinking, man, that's amazing. Well, not for them. For them, it's just reasonable service. They, they've done them. God has bestowed upon those gifts. And you look at Revelation 1, 6, and I think it really kind of gives us a, another look at this. He said he's made us kings and priests unto God, his Father, to him have glory and dominion forever and ever. I, I believe that there's kings and priests in the body of Christ. I believe that, 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 that priests are given to the, to the, to the ministry to, to go do those things. And I believe that God raises up kings as well. Kings is, is that monarchy. They're the ones that are made to bring provision. God has given business people. God has given people with the entrepreneurial ability to do those type of things. Why? To facilitate the, 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 the ministry. That way you don't have to have all these ministers that are always selling snake oil, so to speak, trying to do the work of a king. They're saying, listen, I'm out there to preach the gospel. It's not unlike the, the Levites. Listen, they didn't have an inheritance. They didn't. What their job was, was to preach the gospel. But fortunately, God surrounded them with kings that, that brought the resources into the kingdom. And so you may be a king. 
You, you may not be the priest. You may not be the one that goes and pastors the church or whatever. But maybe God has given you skills and giftings and resources to, to, to give away those possessions that he's put into your hands. But whatever you do, do it with sincerity and do it with honesty. You saw that in, in Barnabas. Barnabas had that gift. He gave. But you also saw it with, uh, with uh, uh, the, the, what was the other two that, that, that I can't think of their name right offhand. That, that came and said, we, we gave it to you. And what happened? Their life got taken from them. And so... Ananias and Sapphira, thank you. Uh, with Ananias, they didn't do it with simplicity and honesty. They wanted to try to imitate what Barnabas did, but they didn't have the right heart. They didn't do it according to the measure of faith. And so what did it do? It brought judgment upon them. He that rules us, anyone in a position of authority, do it with diligence. In other words, do it with your absolute best. And folks, we're totally, totally, I actually went over a few minutes this morning, but uh, we're going to jump into verse 9 tomorrow. But really the whole thing about that is, is he gives us the criteria and whatever we're going to do, however we're going to do it, we need to do it measured by those things, not by the measurement of our own mind, but by the measurement of the Spirit. We don't do it according to man's purpose, but according to God's plan. Folks, thank you so much for joining us today. To remind you, be back with us tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. for uh, uh, another uh, installment of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Don't forget, we're here uh, uh, seven days a week from prayer from 5 until 7 a prayer request, send those to pray at biggrace.com. Love you all so much. Got one bit of advice for you today. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.